underground. Hello, you're very welcome to another instalment of On Air and Aware, where we'll be discussing issues brought to us by members of the Deep Underground through their poems. I'm Ethan, and this month we will be focusing on everything LGBTQIA plus this month. And today I have In Echo in Silence here for a cup of tea and a chinwag about her poem All Due Respect. Echo, thank you for joining us today. And how thank are you, you for doing? having me. Thank you for having me. You're I'm welcome. doing great. How are you? Good, and I'm doing very well, thank you. <laughs> uh, just to get an idea of what All Due Respect is about, could you share with us what the driving force was behind this poem? All Due Respect was written after hearing and observing and seeing people in the LGBT community, LGBTQIA+, I apologize if I am incorrect in any terminology. Um, I was basically seeing over and over that people felt like they were being erased, whether it was because they didn't fit into a certain box, quote unquote, Or I'll give you an example. So you have two people who one person was a female to male person who transitioned and another and they were um, they were homosexual. And you have another person who maybe um, I was seeing people who even though they were homosexual or the pansexual or pansexual whatever this, whatever the correct terminology is, because they didn't fit into the exact parameters of whatever that definition was, they felt ostracized and erased. And especially in terms of bisexuality, I heard so many people that I know say, you know what, like everybody erases bisexuality. They either say you're, you have to be a lesbian or you're gay or you're pansexual, but being bisexual is it really such a thing? It's that whole questioning of that sexual identity that I was just like, you know what? With all due respect, everybody just needs to leave it alone. <laughs> just let people love who they love and let people be who they are for who they are, and no one has any right to say differently. Couldn't say that any better myself. <laughs> I mean, that's that's basically where it came from. I think the kicker was, like I was saying, for example, um, you had two people who considered themselves gay. Um, and one was female presenting, one was male presenting. But yet when they would 
participate in events in the LGBT community, people would say, well, you're not gay. I mean, you're, you're female presenting, they're male presenting. That's not gay. Well, <laughs> in certain circumstances, I suppose it could very well be gay. And if I'm using the term incorrectly, I do apologize. Um, it was that lack. It was that lack of flexibility in thought that kind of just pushed it over the edge for me. Hmm. So you feel. So did you feel that there's still a lack of understanding in terms of, you know? I don't know so, if it's a lack of understanding or if it's a lack of flexibility. That's what I mean by understanding. Do you think? Oh, do you, do, apologies. Um, no, no, no. That's perfectly fine. Do you? Um, do you feel that there is, I guess what my question is, is do you feel that there's still a lack of understanding with the whole spectrum of, you know, what people can be, whether it's sexuality, gender? I think there is. And for me, I, and I'm not trying to contradict any terms that you would use. Um, for me, I feel there is a lack, a lack of understanding and it may be because of that lack of understanding that there's a lack of flexibility. Mm. Um, there's a there's a rigidity of thought, I guess you could say, um, when it comes to these things. And it's for me, you have to understand, I am an ally. Yeah. Um, I am married to a man. I am a female and I present as a female and I go by she and her. But to say that I've never been attracted to any one of my own sex and gender would be a lie. Whether that's something I'm willing to explore in this lifetime is a completely different story. But I'm not exactly part of the LGBT community. I'm looking at it from outside. And from people that I know. So when I say what I say, I'm not speaking for the community. I'm speaking about my experiences. From my experience, there are so many people, for whatever reason, different ages, who feel that they are not heard, I guess, is the proper terminology. I don't want to misunderstood um, they feel that their voice is not being counted. They feel like their sexual identity and perhaps their gender may be being erased. And I know sexual identity is not the same as gender. Um, that's kind of what brought all due respect together. Basically, it was just like, with all due respect, can you just let people be people? Just love who you love, live your life, and stay out of somebody's business if you don't have anything nice to say. And I couldn't agree anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's basically what it came down to. It was just so many times of seeing the same thing over and over. And it didn't matter if the person was in their 20s. It didn't matter if the person was in their 40s. It just it just got to the point where and I'm a pretty tolerant person. I just had enough. <laughs> so. That's completely understandable. I think some people may just not be there yet you know, or never will be, but what can we do? All we can do is just say, well, we're here. <laughs> and it is, yes, we are here, and it's very funny to me, and this is not me being judgmental, but 
I'm I'm in my 40s. I'm in my early 40s, and I in my in the mid 90s. I was in high school, and I lived in a very small town. And there was a boy who realized that he was homosexual, and he was trying to come to terms with this while living in a small town that hated homosexual people. If you were not, you know, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, uh, you had a really hard time if you lived in this town and you decided to, you know, blatantly be anything other than that. Um, But he was determined to live his life honestly. And me and a couple of other of our friends, of his mutual friends, we all helped him. And that was really my first experience dealing with anything related to LGBTQ. And back then, there wasn't, at least I don't think, I'm not sure, but I wasn't aware of anything like Pride or any groups or any anything. He mm. felt like he was alone. Mm. So it was, yeah, <laughs> sorry. That's all right. Yeah, um, I don't think, well, personally, well, to be well, I can only speak for the UK. I mean, uh, homosexuality wasn't legal till about the 1960s. So really, mm. we we it hasn't been legal for for that long, if you really think about it. Right. Um, I'm not sure what um what era it was legal in the US. I would actually have to look that up. Um, but it hasn't really been that long, if you think about it. That you know. You know, then now we've had obviously we had you know the Stonewall, we had the Stonewall riots and obviously um and we've obviously that's now that has obviously contributed to the fact that we all now celebrate you know kind of you know pride and we have all these groups now we have these um, support networks and things like that so it's kind of come a long way but do you feel maybe that we've still got a long way to go in terms of I don't really know. I think, uh, oh, sorry. That's fine. Um, Do you feel that we still have a little bit of a long way to go in in terms of maybe things that are internalised in people, maybe? I think so. And I don't even think that people are necessarily aware of it, Mm. whether it's where you are from geographically, whether it's the traditions of your ethnicity, whether it's your the religion that you practice, there are certain prejudices that are kind of built in. You almost breathe them in. Yeah. Um, until, in my opinion, every person can walk down the street with whoever they love and not be afraid of being harassed or hurt, we're not there yet. Mm. There's a lot more discussion that needs to be had. I know that in the U.S., they just passed a law saying that if you are LGBTQ, you cannot be fired for your, from your job because of that. Yeah. They just um, passed that. They just passed that like today. Yeah, so it's today. That <laughs> is huge here in America. That's that is considered huge because before people were hiding their sexuality because they were afraid of losing their jobs. Yeah, like um, they they have uh, obviously on your application on application sheets 
they want to know what's what your sexuality is on some of them and you know quite clearly some people are not ticking their you know the correct sexuality down they're still hiding it right (laughs) exactly yeah that is definitely it's a little bit it's pretty illegal to ask that that doesn't mean that it doesn't get asked or employers don't try to manipulate their way into that information but to ask about gender and sexuality is actually illegal it's supposed to be illegal anyway (laughs) it shouldn't be asked because it's just it's i think it's i mean i think it's deemed a bit rude if i'm honest especially with sexuality because it's got nothing to do with exactly nothing to do with the workplace (laughs) i mean you're working in a position what does what you do outside of your job have to do with what you do inside your job precisely you could have (laughs) you could have three people one's get one is homosexual one is i don't know bisexual and the other might be i don't know uh pansexual asexual whichever sexuality you want to think of you know they're they're still three human beings they will all be able to contribute something to work you know their sexuality has got nothing to do with it (laughs) exactly you know it's it's just it's a bit it's a bit maddening that you know, in terms of job application forms, they still ask things like that. Like on some of them in, I can only speak for the UK, some of them even put down like your, you know, your gender, you know, they, they, they have like, bo- they have obviously boxes and they'll go, you know, are you um, male, female, preferred not to say, <laughs> prefer not to say, which is maddening. And there's non, I think some of them have non-binary or some of them say transgender. And, you know, I just think what's really that got to do with what I might be doing in terms of work, you know? <laughs> exactly. I mean, here, even with governmental forms, there's, there's male, female and other. And then prefer not to answer um, the fact that it's on there, I, I am assuming is a good thing mm. because this way you don't feel obligated to answer. Yeah. However, there's still that discomfort of not answering a question. So it's like they should basically, in my opinion, at least put a disclaimer. It won't be held against you if you don't answer the question you know, you're under no legal obligation to do so, something like that, but, yeah. Yeah, um, preferred not to say seems a little bit, you know, you don't have to say, but we, it, it's, it kind of feels like when I've, I don't know, I don't know about you or, or to anyone else, you know, I would like to know what people think about preferred not to say. Like, do they, is there a little bit in people's subconscious that turn around and say, am I going to get dug out for this later kind of thing? Exactly, which is why I think there should be some sort of legal disclaimer. Yeah. Um, I mean, part of me, when I when I first saw this starting to appear on forms and things like this, or like when you do, you know, you subscribe to something online and it's, it does the same thing, prefer not to say if they don't prefer if they don't wish to say then why are you even bothering to ask precisely (laughs) you could put that with other perhaps and then just leave it alone but you're trying to like split hairs and like i said it's almost like they're trying to manipulate the information Mm. um 
I'm not comfortable when people try to manipulate information. That's not okay in my book. Yeah, precisely. I mean, if you're applying, I mean, I don't think it really matters what you're applying to. I think, obviously, with, um, I could understand with, um, of, of course, things like hospital, doctors, they kind of do have to, in a, in a way, they yes. do have to, they do have to understand what is, what, you know, what is going on. Because you might be taking certain things like um, hormones or medications and things, you know, things like that. I can un- I completely understand, you know, and, bl- you know, things like blood testing, um, mm-hmm. which happens a lot. But apart from uh, a, from a medical perspective, um, which I can completely understand, um, because obviously if someone comes in and they've got something wrong with them, you know, you need to obviously eliminate every kind of possibility of what's wrong with somebody um but in terms of everything else not really (laughs) exactly uh, you know and I don't know how it goes in the UK but here medical information is protected under something called HIPAA which is basically where even if you are in court they can the judge cannot demand that your doctors give over this information um something like this um i would have to look it up a little bit more but basically it's confidential mm, that's the so, bottom line um it's not something that's made public mm, and that's in a medical setting so it goes back to what you were saying about you know if you are, are taking certain hormones or undergoing certain treatments for blood tests things like this yes then i can understand that they would need to know subscribing to the new york times online not necessarily (laughs) (laughs) no i understand um we kind of have something that is a little bit similar um and i only know this because i'd apply for it because i'm a transgender man um so i actually had to um i had to uh write to um what we have here called hm revenue which is um which is a obviously where you pay your taxes and mm-hmm. um, everything goes through there. You know your ele- your electoral roll and things like things like that. Um, so I had to write to HM Revenue and basically explain to them. Oh, and also with my clinician's note, who is overseeing my transition, um, he had to write a letter for me and I also had to provide a letter and I had to provide certain documents to say that I am now under transition, uh, medical transition and that I'm turning, I'm transfer, I'm transitioning from female to male and, um, and I can actually, um, I can request them to basically hide, basically hide <laughs> all my old documentation change all my net my net my obviously the appropriate parts of my name um which is obviously my my for me it's my first name and and part of my middle name and basically um no one is allowed to uh, get hold of those documents no matter who they are um basically i had to write to them with proof of documentation from a clinician and Obviously, um, uh, my my change of name via Depol to make sure that obviously that gets put in a basically a file somewhere and basically no one can basically look at it unless it's really needed, you know. Um, 
but basically no one can access that old information about me. I think that's amazing that such a thing exists. I don't know. I don't want to say that it doesn't exist here in America. If it does, I'm not aware of it. Mm. But I think that that is that's that's amazing that Mm. you can do that and no one can attempt to bring up your past uh, identity. Um, Is that the correct terminology? Yeah, Um, that's correct terminology. Who you were back then like Mm. that's it's gone you know unless it's the most dire of circumstances I'm assuming um which leaves you or anyone who is going through a transition to be able to live in peace and to live confidently as who they are yeah to me Um, that's absolutely amazing and please allow me uh, I don't know if congratulations is the proper term but May you have every success in your transition and may you have a very happy and fulfilling life. Oh, thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. I I think um, the only time, um, because I I kind of want to, you know, I think the only time that might get brought up if if I was being um, brought into a court of law. Right. Because obviously, say, for instance, I committed a crime. Um, they would have to know where to put me in terms. So basically, if I was found guilty of any crime at all, they would need to know where to place me in terms of prison sentence. Not that that is ever going to happen because I'm a law abiding. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was thinking perhaps either in a God forbid a criminal situation, or perhaps if there was a medical situation and there was no one to speak on your behalf. Yeah. I could imagine that that information may be necessary at that particular point in time, but other than that. I don't see how it would affect a person's day to day. So, and again, like I said, I'm not sure if there's anything like that here in America, but from what you're saying, it sounds wonderful because it will allow a person to be who they truly are and they can go into society. They can take a job. They can um, form a civil partnership or a marriage, whatever is applicable in the UK. They can apply for, uh, I don't know how things work there, but benefits, um, yeah, tax credits, whatever the situation may be, um, I think it's wonderful. And you don't yeah. have to worry about it. It's just there. Yeah, exactly. As long as everything is changed. And also another thing that um, uh, in the UK you can apply for is a GRA. Oh, sorry, not a GRA. It's a GRC, which is a Gender Recognition Certificate, which is basically it's acknowledged by the government and basically kind of like obviously people of authority. Um, basically, they um, acknowledge that the fact that you have transitioned and you are you are the identity that you identify with, um, and that's a, that's another thing that people in the that's fantastic. UK, yeah, that can apply for. Um, That's wonderful. Yeah. I don't know if you have anything like that in America, though. <laughs> I'm not sure. I I cannot say. So um, I would have to leave that uh, be. Uh, I don't want to say anything inaccurate, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So obviously you touched on um, about, you know, things like pride and, um, you know, you said, well, obviously when you were younger, you said, you wasn't aware of a pride um, and obviously today we have pride 
you know events and things like that all across kind of the world especially it's very massive in in the UK and and the USA um do you celebrate um LGBT pride month at all or is there anything that you you know obviously not everyone or not everyone goes to the events or attends but is there anything that you do in terms of you know LGBT awareness or anything like that uh like I said I do consider myself to be an ally and I I don't go to any physical events number one crowds and I we're not good friends (laughs) that's that's number one um number two um I'm part of a Hasidic community here in America and I'm kind of a quiet rebel in my community in the fact that I am pro-LGBTQ. There are many ultra-Orthodox people, when I say ultra-Orthodox, I mean Jewish people, who regretfully are very anti-LGBTQ, and it's a very divided topic in the community. it causes a lot of pain in families because the family of a person who may identify as LGBTQ may love their son, their daughter, their spouse, whoever it may be, but the community will not accept them as they are in the main. I'm not speaking in every single ultra-Orthodox or Orthodox Jewish community, I know that there are communities that are not considered within the ultra-Orthodox or Orthodox umbrella, but there are communities of people who are LGBTQ and they celebrate their Judaism and they celebrate their sexuality just as they are, and they are accepted just as they are. As I said, it's not within the mainstream, And that's where I operate from. I'm part of the mainstream community, for better or worse. Um, So for me to go to an event would actually be quite, not only a crowds and I don't mix, um, it would actually be dangerous to my family if I was found out. Because my husband would lose the synagogue that he would pray in because they would find out that I went to such an event and he would no longer be welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, my children would no longer be welcome in their uh, religious schools. Mm-hmm. And in our own neighborhood, it may well be that we would, nobody would talk to us. There's a concept of being put, um, being ostracized um, to the point where no one will speak to you. No one will assist you in any fashion. And while I may have certain feelings and thoughts about things, I am not willing to endanger my family or to make their life inconvenient. Now, people may say, well, then why do you live in such a community? But that is a completely different topic for a completely different day. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the bottom line is, is that, yes, I am extremely uh, pro-LGBTQ. And while I don't physically attend events, I'm that person on Twitter who retweets everything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And on Facebook, um, under my uh, In Echoing Silence profile, um, under a different alias, I am on the editorial board and I write op-ed pieces for a online, it's a Jewish 
it's a newsletter right now. There's going to be a website within a couple of days, and it's it's a multimedia organization called Tribe Herald. A lot of the news that the Orthodox Jewish community gets is very sanitized. It's very cleaned up. Um, They won't say that George Floyd was murdered. They will say that he died. Um, They will say instead of riots and looting and things like this, they will say there was a disturbance. It's very much downplayed. Um, I guess to protect delicate sensibilities and I apologize for sounding that way, but I get extremely frustrated because it's 2020. Um, If you're not aware of the racial tensions in the United States and the fact that there are riots and looting and that the president is inciting a lot of these things himself, perhaps you just need to stay under the rock that you have lived in under for so long. You may, perhaps it might just be best if you stay there. And I'm saying that with a great deal of sarcasm. Um, but the fact of the matter is in the Orthodox world, the news is incredibly sanitized and tribe Herald speaks for those who have no voice, whether you are a member of the LGBTQ community, whether you are a person with disability or you are other abled, whether you are, a a person or a Jew of color, it does not matter if you feel that you, especially in the Jewish community, but we also deal with issues outside of the Jewish community that have an effect within our community. It does not matter who or what you are. We are that voice. Tribe Herald is the voice for those who have none. And I, as I said, I write op-ed pieces. I'm on the editorial board and these are issues that are very near and dear to my heart. Which is very good. And um, and I applaud you for that as well, um, especially with the community that you come from. And obviously, of course, anyone, anybody listening would understand you would you would not put your family or your or yourself in any danger. If it was just me and if it was perhaps just my husband, that's one thing. Yeah. But I have children and if they grow up to be rebellious, that's on them. But I cannot put them in that position. Yeah. At the ages that they are. Um, yeah. And it's not, um, you said, and I know that you said that I applaud you. I know you're saying that as a compliment, but I want to be very clear this is something that I don't do for applause. Um, People don't know who I am. I don't, that's, that's always kind of part of who I've been because it's not about me. Yeah. It's never been about me. It's about whatever the topic is, whether I'm writing about the LGBT community, whether I'm writing about the community, the community of people who are disabled or other abled, whatever the correct terminology is, whether it is about people who have been mistreated um, under a certain ultra-Orthodox group and they're unable to speak for themselves. That's what it's all about. It's about bringing an issue to light and taking away the stigma and the judgment and the prejudice. That's what it's about. Yeah. If I can be that person, then mission accomplished. 
Yeah. No applause needed. I'll take a cookie instead. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I mean. Um, it's a wonderful attitude to have, and uh, you know, especially coming from, especially coming from um, a community such as that. You know, um, obviously there are there are some risks, and you know, that's maybe. Well, I tell you, on on the Sabbath afternoon, Saturday afternoon. I definitely have to be careful what I say (laughs) when I'm outside talking to the other ladies and the other mothers who are in my development Saturday afternoons when everybody gets together and catches up on all the news because we're all so busy during the week and all the children are playing outside and all the women get together. And I I have to remember that I have to keep my mouth a little bit quiet, but uh, so that I don't get any, uh, well, what do you mean? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, nothing. Uh, so, how how do you like your new shoes? <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's such a wonderful attitude to have, and that's that's guess I guess that's what I mean by you know I I applaud Thank that you. kind of I applaud that kind of attitude because that attitude is needed, <laughs> you know, especially Thank in this especially in this day and age, you know, and it doesn't matter who you are or your background or where you come from. That's you know, it's a wonderful thing, and I've I've always believed that you know. Um, if if you come from somewhere, you know, that's a little bit, I don't know, a background that's a little bit taboo, um, you know, it's always good when someone speaks out, you know, even if, you know, it's very difficult, but to still do that, I think that's, I think that's, from in terms of, from my perspective, that's very courageous, and that's, you know, I think that's just brilliant to do as well. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um. So in your poem, you speak of watching hypocrisy hypocrisy from afar, and you actually covered um, a lot of spectrum of the LGBTQIA plus community um, within your poem, which I thought was absolutely fantastic. Um, Can you share any experiences with us in terms of, you know, hypocrisy that you've kind of seen or anything anything like that at all that you might have experienced personally yourself or somebody else you know if you can I can I cannot say myself because um, however I may feel about people of my own gender and sex aside I choose to live as a heterosexual woman so um because of that, I don't really have any personal experience with such a thing, but I can say that there have been many times where, like, for example, um, I've heard of friends say that they have gone somewhere with their boyfriend and they're both part of the LGBT community, whether they have transitioned or they're in transition Um, whether they're pansexual or otherwise. And if I use any incorrect terminology, please correct me and please do not take it offensively. I know that I don't know all the correct terminology. That's that's Um, perfectly fine. Not everybody does. um, You you won't be... um... Right. I just want to make that completely right. I want to make that completely clear because here in America, there's something called erasure 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 culture Mm. and cancel culture. Okay, (laughs) so basically what the hypocrisy I'm talking about is pretty much like that. Um, And it was also just letting a lot of people, people's different experiences just kind of wash over me. 
Um, well, that person can't be pansexual. They're male and they're married to a female. That's not pansexuality. That's heterosexuality. Well, um, how do you know? Um, that's a question I had. Um, you don't necessarily know what's in somebody else's heart. Um, I can also say that although, as I said, I choose more or less to live as a heterosexual woman, unless you're in that person's head and in their bedroom, you can't say exactly what's going on. So I just felt, especially with the whole, you know, if one person is male presenting and one person is female presenting, and that people within the LGBT community were saying, well, you're not, you're not part of our community. You look, you appear as a homosexual, uh, as a heterosexual couple, excuse me, or a person who is bisexual. There's, well, you just want everything, don't you? You just can't decide. You just want it all. You're so thirsty. Excuse me. What if you just happen to love love? What if it does not matter how the exterior is packaged, as so to speak? Mm. Um, again, it all goes back to why, why do people feel the need to be involved in something that is between one person and whoever their intimate partners are? Yeah. And it just all goes back to what I said at the first, and I will say it, I will die on that hill, as they say. Um, love is love. You love who you love. And there is not a force above or below or on this earth that has any right to tell you differently. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was because of those, those, those hypocritical statements. Mm. From the outside world, as well as within the LGTB community that I've seen, so many people say that they feel that they are not understood at all for being bisexual or pansexual. And it breaks my heart because I am, as I said, I am a religious Jewish woman. As a member of a community that is harassed, um, at least here in America, um, in the extent that I can relate to that in connection with the LGBT community, meaning to say, I know that at least here in America, people who are part of the LGBT community do get harassed, mm. maybe not in places necessarily like downtown Manhattan, but in, you know, suburbanville, USA, um, unfortunately, harassment of people who are who are part of the LGBT community is still a thing and still unfortunately quite common. Why do you need to attack yourself from within? Mm. That's kind of my question. And I know that that's a very loaded question and it may not be, Oh, well it may, people may not feel that it's necessarily that they're attacking from within the community. They may feel that they're trying to, set the standard and set the tone mm. and define what the community is to draw that line in the sand. But then my question is, and it doesn't matter which community you come from, it doesn't, it doesn't matter gender, race, ethnicity, sexuality, who are you to draw that line in the sand? 
are you the ultimate authority on the LGBTQ experience or on any other experience from a group of people who are persecuted? No, you're not that authority. So then who are you to decide? And that's what I mean by hypocrisy. And it, like I said, it just, it just drove me up the wall, basically. I just didn't understand it. I still don't understand it. And unfortunately, so many of the things that I wrote about are true. And it breaks my heart. Because no boy or girl should have to be in a situation where, oh, he's a homosexual. He wants to, he wants to get with me. Oh yeah. Like don't share with him in the locker room because you know, he might be all about trying to get up on me or, oh my gosh, she's a lesbian. Like a, she wants all of, all of her friends who are girls. Like they're like, okay, but like, you don't like me like that. Right. You don't like me that way. Right. Um, or on the flip side, which, which, infuriates me beyond any words that I can use where heterosexual men are like, she's a lesbian. She'll get a piece of me and she'll change her mind. Mm. Who are you? Do you know what I mean? Who are (laughs) you? That is the epitome of, I would say non-consent. I can't think of any other word. Like that is just, that is hubris that is chutzpah on a scale that I can't, I can't comprehend and I can comprehend an awful lot to be able to say, Oh yeah, my anatomy, my masculinity is going to change a, a woman who prefers women to liking men. Yeah. 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 It's it's, (laughs) it's, it's that whole, it's that really old kind of, you know, you know, you think of sayings like, um, I do agree with you in terms of what you said. It's it's kind you kind of think of those old sayings like um you know oh god don't drop the soap or um I hate those no. you know or you know oh well you know I'll I'll, I'll turn her you know you you know you hear those old sayings mm-hmm. like oh I'll turn her or you mm-hmm. know oh god don't drop the soap like he's in the shower or you know mm-hmm. those kind of really old very mm-hmm. very very disgusting sayings yes um it that it kind of reminds me that that kind of um attitude kind of reminds me of those old sayings um and I've I've you know personally myself I've had the that kind of attitude thrown at myself as well over the years so I do completely agree with in terms of what you're saying you know um and in terms of like you know when people say People like because it's, it's this whole thing about stereotyping, isn't it? Um, people like to put people in pigeonholes, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, this is what it is to be gay, or this is what what it is to be bisexual, or this is what you have to you, this is what you have to be to be a lesbian. Um, you know, like in terms of um, kind of sexuality, I think what people seem to for, I don't know if you I don't know if you'd agree because this is kind of like in terms of like what you were saying. I don't know if you'd agree with me on this, but I think a lot of people forget that that people are individuals first before they might get married or, or have children or um, that they belong to a certain community or um, they might, you know, I don't know, they might take up a new religion or um, they might go into a particular job that might be a little bit stereotypical or, you know, things like that. I think people tend to, I think people in society today seem to forget that we're actually individuals first 
you know, we have our own opinions, we, we form our own opinions, we form our own ideas, we form our own kind of uh, lifestyle um, before obviously other things take place that happen through stages of life. Do, I don't know if you'd I don't know if you'd agree with me on. on... I I actually do agree with you, and um, I'm actually thinking of a song from Fall Out Boy that says, "You are what you love, not who loves you." Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, you choose. It is up to you, and there is no one who can replicate your experience. Whether you are heterosexual, whether you are part of the LGBT community, whether you are part of no community, that is your experience and who you love and who you trust and where you decide that you want to live your life, the path that you choose, that's yours. And even if you are part of a bigger community, there has to be that room. This is not North Korea. Or, I'm sorry, and maybe I shouldn't say that. That could be offensive. I'm sorry. If you need to cut that, please do. But the bottom line is, we are not all cookie cutters. Yeah, precisely. We are all people with thoughts and feelings. And we may have quite a few commonalities. Mm. We all need a place to live that's safe. We need to feel emotionally safe. We need to feel loved in however that translates for each individual person. But beyond that, it's a very human life is a very personalized experience. And to try to say, oh, well, if you don't fit A, B, C and D, you can't be part of this community. That's a problem. Mm, Definitely. And especially considering the fact that as a whole, the LGBT community is a community that is not part of necessarily the mainstream community, which for me, in my opinion, is an unfortunate fact. Mm. It didn't start out that way. And if I'm saying something incorrectly, please correct me. It didn't start that way. And for many years, it was like, it had to be kept quiet. Um, Nobody talked about it. It was considered something shameful, God forbid, to then be, to have that origin and then still in today's time, in 2020, saying, well, you know what, if you don't fit ABCD parameters, exactly. I mean, you do have to fit the very basic, most basic criteria, obviously, Um but that if you don't fit every, if you don't tick every single box, you're not one of us. I feel like there's something very wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, I can't, like, obviously, if you are, if you are heterosexual, you are not part of the LGBT community. That's quite obvious. But if you are a person who does prefer their own gender or different genders or no gender at all, and People are saying to you, well, you're not part of us. You're not part of the LGBT community. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, no, and that does happen. And people don't talk about it. And Well, that... they should. Oh, no. I love... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it... but they should. <laughs> no, and <laughs> in fact, I've actually not met a person, <laughs> believe it or not, <laughs> 
and I, I speak to a lot of people in the LGBT community, I've actually not spoken to a single person who wants to speak up about it. You know, you've actually been one of the first people that have been willing to have a discussion about it. Is it because I'm American? I don't don't know. (laughs) No, but seriously, in all seriousness, this needs to be a conversation. I don't know why it's not. Yeah, it does need to be a conversation. Let me correct that statement. Um, I would like to suggest that it be a topic of conversation. I have no place in saying what needs to happen within the LGBT community. That's not my place as an ally. But I would say that to make your community as authentic as possible and as genuine and as accepting of every member that is a part of it as possible so that they feel safe and accepted, that may be a conversation that you should have. Yeah, but what I'm find, what I'm finding ironic is that you're an ally <laughs> and you're having a conversation about it <laughs> because because that's what I'm saying. Like a lot of people in the uh, I, I don't know. Like I think I feel a lot of people in the LGBT community get a little bit scared of having the conversation, especially about things like um, trans um, trans. <laughs> Uh, t- basically, I'm sure you're aware of the word TERF. Um, I'm aware of-, of it, and I'm not precisely sure exactly what it means. I just know that it is an insult of the highest order. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, that's a trans-exclusionary um, radical feminist. Um, they're people that usually don't agree with, um, uh, like, you know, trans women are women, trans men are men, um, that, you know, trans women shouldn't be allowed in in their safe spaces they shouldn't be allowed in you know particular spaces that are for women and women alone um and um obviously and also they kind of believe that trans men uh will will never be uh, men you know it doesn't it doesn't have to be women um i think personally for myself turf is can be applied to anybody um that doesn't agree that basically because it is about trans people like they don't believe that trans people should have have a a safe space basically you know I don't I don't really want to I don't really want to put it down to just kind of one gender I think it can it can be a spectrum you know of Mm -hmm. like whether it's a man or a woman um but unfortunately has feminist on the end but I just for our listeners I want to say that I don't just apply that to women I apply that to kind of anybody who does not agree with a particular community having a safe space that's I guess that's what I want to say so so here so oh I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt please no no that's fine um but yeah we do have issues within within the LGBT community in terms of that and other things as well um but yeah like people don't seem to have want to have a conversation about it or I I tend to find that what people in our community in this this particular community can't do they can't seem to have a a decent kind of calm conversation about it it always ends up getting very fiery (laughs) you know but um I do certainly agree there's things that need to be addressed in in the LGBT QIA plus community that um, do need to be addressed and in fact a lot of it a lot of it I find quite petty because I don't know like um, I don't know about you 
um, being an ally, uh, obviously looking from the outside and as an ally really you can see a lot more that's going on than someone that might be actually inside the community because you know obviously when you're in something you're you're kind of you're a little bit blinkered I think from having opinions thoughts and views um you know so I think an ally would you know would see a lot more that's going on on both sides of the both sides of the coin um but yeah there's just certain things that I think people just don't seem to can't have a decent adult conversation about you know that's why I said it was it's so ironic that there's you know someone has come in as an ally and has actually you know said like you know there are things that are inside the LGBT community that do need to be addressed I've spoken to so many people inside the community and they don't want to talk about it they don't want to have an adult conversation about it which I find which I find extremely um I find that extremely sad in some cases (laughs) the fact the fact that they don't want to talk about it whoever they are the fact that it's something that makes people uncomfortable in my mind by default automatically means that it needs to be talked about Precisely. because if it if it is a topic that makes you feel a little weird in your stomach and you are looking for the absolute truth you need mm. to go there yeah. okay as it's as it is said um it is a loaded topic and i understand that and there are so many variables uh, I know that I'm not even aware. I know that I am not aware of them all. I do know that every community, every person in a community deserve every person period deserves to have a safe safe space. Excuse me. What that safe space looks like, I cannot say. Mm. But I, on the flip side, and I am not saying anyone is right or wrong. I'm making that extremely clear right now. I hear why people will say that people who are transgender are not the the gender of of their choosing. Mm. I hear it. Do I accept it? No. Yeah. I believe that if a person has made such a radical decision, whether they've decided whether to physically transform themselves or psychologically transform themselves, the fact that they feel that they need to go through that transformation, and I can only imagine how painful it can be, um, that to me says, okay, if you truly feel that way, then that's how you need to experience your life. If you are a female and you feel that you need to experience your life and live your life as a male, and yes, you have gone through it and you have gone through your pain and you are working through it all and you've come to this decision and it's obviously not a phase, it's not whatever anybody says it is, then you need to live your life that way. Exactly. Having said that, Unfortunately, there are, and I don't know exactly how the hormones work. Um, I do know that if you are a male, they do give you female hormones and vice versa to, in order to bring on some secondary characteristics and so on. But the underlying fact is that a, a male body 
is different from a female body in the fact that sometimes it is stronger. Um, I hope I am not being inaccurate here, but I can, like I said, I can hear, but I don't accept. Yeah. Where people will say, oh, well, you know, it's not fair if a transgender man races in a female race because he's automatically stronger. They are, excuse me, they are automatically stronger and faster mm. due to their physiology. Whether that's the case or not, that is beyond me. And I will say that right now. That is beyond, that is not, that is beyond my capability to understand and process fully. I am not a transgender person. I do not speak for transgender people. I support them. Yeah. Because if that's the choice that they've chosen to make, that is their choice. They deserve a safe space, whether it is with people who are similar, meaning other people who are transgender, whether it is with mainstream people, um, meaning to say people who were born into whichever sexuality they are choosing or whichever gender, excuse me. I sincerely apologize if I say anything incorrectly. Um, If a person who is male and they are transitioning to female, whether they choose to find their safe space in a place that is with like-minded individuals and people who are male going into a female transition, Mm -hmm. or if they choose to find their safe space with supportive females, Mm -hmm. that is their choice. Yeah. No one has the right to take that choice from them. And unfortunately there is, if a person who is a male who is transitioning into female decides to find their safe space, in a space that of women who are bio, who are what is the correct term please help me here women from birth um, um assigned female at birth right thank you um who are assigned female at birth if they choose to find their safe space there regretfully there is going to be pushback yeah unfortunately that needs is. that needs to be known Unfortunately, that is going to happen. Still, if a person who is a trans, is is it a transgender female? Is the correct term? Um, Please, is is that the correct term? Okay. Yeah, so a male transition to female is a a transgender female, yes. Thank you. I'm a little more familiar with the sexualities than I am of the gender, so please. But a, a male who is transitioning into as a into a female or as you say if they choose to find their safe space there they need to be aware of that mm. now if it was me personally i may not necessarily choose to be stay in a space where i feel that i'm not 100% welcome mm. on the other hand i would understand if a person did choose to do that because excuse me i have every right to be here just as much as you do i'm going to kick off my shoes and put my feet on the coffee table and forget you <laughs> You know, um, yeah. it depends on where your mentality is and where you are coming from. Yeah, exactly. But in any scenario, no one of any gender or sexuality has the right to say, eh, you're not female, you're not male, you don't belong here. 
No, quite rightly. No one, no one really that, has to. That's no the bottom line. That's the bottom line. As far as I, as an ally, that's how I see it. Mm. Yeah, precisely. Um, I mean, uh, in I suppose coming from inside the community, um, I know a little bit more. Um, you know, there are cases where, uh, especially with trans females, um, so that's obviously males that transition to females, okay. they do get they get pushed back out of particular the kind of safe spaces. Um, I personally think for wrong reasons, um, because uh, you know, because the fact that you know they weren't born a certain way, um, you know. But really, personally for me, um, it doesn't matter if you're. Um, it, it doesn't really matter um, with gender or sexuality. Um, if you are a um, person who has good intentions and um, is a, you know, good intentions, fantastic attitude and um, wants to contribute, I don't see why people uh, would want to push someone back that, you know, could contribute a lot to a particular safe space or a particular community um but yeah i think in terms of that kind of area i think uh, trans females have have it a lot more difficult than basically if you know if you're going to make comparisons maybe to someone who might be a female transition to a male um you know or you know and uh, the other kind of um on the other side of the spectrum, obviously, you've got people that are in the non-binary community and they're incredibly, you know, they, they have it incredibly difficult, you know, trying to navigate through not only their own body, but also society as well. Um, you know, so they have it a little bit tough because obviously they they don't particularly feel and they don't particularly feel towards any particular binary gender. So, right. Yeah. And there are people who and if I if I say it incorrectly, Please, please correct me because I do want to know. People who are gender fluid, yes, is that so, the correct term? Yeah, gender um, fluid, non-binary. Um, I, I can imagine how they may feel that they have no voice mm. because they cannot stand up and say, "I am a transgender male," or "I am a transgender female." Yeah. They they cannot be, I mean that is not who they are, and maybe perhaps one day they are of one gender and the next day they are of another gender and perhaps they are of no gender whatsoever. All are one hundred percent acceptable, and anyone who says differently, well, the problem is with you, not the rest of the world. Um, but to be in that position. I would think really is very difficult. And I'm not saying, and I'm not dismissing anyone else's struggle, please mm. do not misunderstand me. But to, to, in terms of trying to find a safe space of trying to find who your people are, mm. I could see how that could be highly complicated. Yeah. In such a scenario. And I feel, especially as I said before, because the LGBT community for so long has been, I don't want to say forced, but they have been pressured, I suppose, to stay underground, to stay quiet. Um, even now, and thank God it's 2020, you've got pride, 
But unfortunately, in certain places, pride is a basically a time where where people who are not of the LGBT community will spew hatred and they will harass and they will persecute uh, people who are of the LGBT community. Mm. And there is a lot of controversy. I know that in Israel, Tel Aviv has the largest LGBTQIA plus pride parade. And within my own community, I will not tell you and I cannot say the absolutely hurtful things that they say that because Tel Aviv has this pride parade, all sorts of manners of evil and ills fall upon the world. Mm. I'm just saying that just to be vague about what they say in specific, the rabbis in Jerusalem. Yeah. Um, I don't believe it. Mm. Unfortunately, people who are more gullible and who live more sheltered lives than I do perhaps do believe it. Mm. Which only reinforces a negative opinion of those of the LGBT community, which just perpetrates a cycle that is just, it's sad, it's harmful, and it shouldn't exist in 2020, in my opinion. I couldn't agree more. I mean, um, it shouldn't shouldn't really be an issue anymore. (laughs) Like I said, it shouldn't because it's a, listen, unless someone is coming and propositioning you personally, okay, it's not an issue who anyone does, who anyone is with in the privacy of their own relationship or home. Mm. Who you love is who you love. And it does not, and again, it does not matter. Yeah, it's very true. (laughs) I mean... The, the only way that I could see that anyone could potentially have an issue is if someone is being, you know, propositioned or harassed. And that doesn't really happen as far as I know, because I, mean, I don't want to say it doesn't happen unless it's perhaps an innocent misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually like tends to stay with like, mm-hmm. you know, Um people who are of the LGBT community tend to find relationships within that community, I would suspect. And people who are a heterosexual find relationships within the heterosexual community. So I don't really see where there's that potential for crisscross. So that brings me just back to my original point. Mm. It doesn't matter. So there's no need for all of this prejudice and hate. Yeah, it's very true. There is no need. You know, we've we've come a long way, really. Um, we still have a long long way to go, as as you know, you said earlier. Um, but we're not quite there yet, in terms. I mean, the fact that, um, like I said before, when I was talking about my friend who was who came to terms with his sexuality, and I was 15, and I was extremely sheltered, and the steps that he took, and he was so terrified every little step. But at the end, it was a most beautiful transformation to see that he was terrified, even just putting on clear nail polish or clear mascara. I don't even Mm. know if such a thing exists anymore, but (laughs) let's say it does. Um, 
when he would come to work and he would have on his clear mascara, um, you know, do you think anyone can notice? How does it look? And so on and such forth. And he was so terrified. And after he was completely out, I believe is the correct term, um, he wore his makeup and he wore his nail polish and his jewelry. And he was so proud. And for me to have been part of that support system, I didn't even know half of what he was talking about. And I didn't understand. I just knew, like, he needed me to be there for him. You want to wear your clear mascara? Go for it, dude. Like, no problem. I, Like I said, I didn't even understand half of what he's talking about. Mm. You know? Um, like, what is homosexuality? What is, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, I just knew he needed me. Yeah. And I just knew that I needed to be there for him. And I remember going to another friend of ours who was also there for him during his, his um, I don't want to say his transformation, but I guess as it, in the process of him coming out. Yeah. And I remember asking her, um, what do I say here? And she'll be like, well, do you like whatever it is that he did? Yeah, it looks really cool. Well, then, yeah, you tell him you like it. You know, like, you know, just go for it just to be there as a support for him. I think that that is probably one of the top 10 greatest things that I've ever done. Yeah. I was scared out of my mind because there were times that people picked on him and, um, and harassed him. We all worked together in a local, in a local burger joint Mm. and I have quite a big mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'm not afraid to use it. So there, there were times I kind of got myself in a bit of a scuffle, but it didn't matter. Mm. He needed me. I was there. End of story. Just like you support anyone else in any decision that they make. That's a, yeah. I mean, obviously, that's a good one. I'm not talking about, you know, harmful decisions. I'm talking about good, wholesome decisions. Yeah. <laughs> we like good and wholesome here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, and it's it's wonderful to watch someone bloom out of you know um after feeling you know kind of feeling so small, and then yeah. you watch them bloom and and it's absolutely beautiful because they're they're just being there. To see someone be their authentic self, and to know that you were there for them, you and not even necessarily did you do anything other than just let them know that you were there and that you supported them so that they didn't feel alone. Mm. It's an, it's an incredible feeling. Definitely. So, yeah. <laughs> um, is there, you know, is there any advice that, or anything that you would like to say to our listeners who might be going through, you know, they might be going through similar issues or they might be from a similar, uh, obviously community whether that being lgbt or part of your community or might be going through the same kind of thing um i guess my first the first thing i would say is don't be afraid um be smart but don't be afraid if you're in a position where you can't freely express yourself without putting yourself in physical danger, then you may want to reconsider whether it is the correct time or place to physically put yourself out there. 
And I say that not only just as an as a Hasidic woman, I say that also because I've had many people that I know say, I want to come out to my family, but my parent, my sibling, someone in my family will hurt me. Mm. Your life is, it, you cannot replace your life. Yeah. Be smart. Be safe. Who you love is who you love, and no one can tell you differently. And let me find this. This is from Dr. Seuss, and I just love it. It says, be who you are and say what you feel, because those who mind don't matter, and those who matter don't mind. And I make Dr. Seuss very right there. (laughs) Exactly. Listen, some of the best things came from when you were a kid. Don't tell me different. Dr. Seuss is one of them. I agree. Dr. Seuss said a lot of things to us. Dr. Seuss was very forward thinking. You know, we got we got we got to give them we got to give Dr. Seuss all the props. (laughs) He was kind of trying to tell us in his little subtle way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, Echo, thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us today and, you know, and touching really on you know for an ally on really thank you for touching on a lot of like you know maybe not your own journey but other people's kind of you know experiences and journeys and I'm really glad that you shared those um with me and our listeners today and I know sometimes that can be you know quite difficult so you know I really I really appreciate that and I thank you for that um you know in every you know wholeheartedly um thank you for allowing me to have this conversation with you i feel that it's it was incredibly important and extremely productive yeah um thank you for coming on as well because um not everyone really would come on to and discuss these kind of things you know so it's really good to kick back with someone with a cup of tea and just you know share some experiences you know in a in you know a community that you know we can't that you know, we a lot of us will align with. Um, uh, before you go, um, would you like to read your poem t- uh, to us today? Ooh, um, I I will. Um, I get nervous reading my own poetry. I kind of write it and leave it, which is not exactly wonderful, but. I'm sorry, poem, but that's kind of how it goes sometimes. Um, But this poem is called All Due Respect, and it goes like this. It's 2019 for better or worse. I hear the talk, read all the news, watch parade, I'm sorry, watch parades, learn the proper terms. People are more woke than ever. Society demands lack of judgment. Everything is acceptable. It's all good. I watch from afar the hypocrisy. If a boy proclaims he's gay, suddenly he wants all the boys. Post-game showers get strange. If a girl announces she's a lesbian, she immediately wants all the girls. It becomes a challenge to turn her. If a person is bisexual, out and proud, they are promiscuous and can't decide or that love type simply doesn't exist. If a person identifies as transgender, they are in defiance of God's will for them. 
that souls go where they are supposed to. If a person is asexual, society says they are broken. They just need to find the right one. Why are heterosexuals given a free pass? Straight men ogle any female in his line of sight, just showing off his privilege rampant sexuality. Or for the modern woman bringing home a new male for every night of the week, call her promiscuous and face a lawsuit. Love is love. It's free for all. It can't be confined. Why does something so pure need to be rationed? How is it that in 2019, we so socially aware dare to persecute, torture, take away, take life away simply because of who, what the heart longs for? No one alive can be judge, jury, executioner, dictating who others need to identify as to love. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Echo, thank you for sharing that poem with us. Um, It's a wonderful poem and it was wonderful to hear about and... Um, and thank you for covering so much of the community in that poem as well. I think it's absolutely brilliant. So thank you for that. Thank you for allowing me to have this conversation with you and to share my poetry. Deep Underground Poetry. Dot com. Spotlight with Daniel Christensen. Hi, friends and lovers out there in the wide world. Everyone else caught in the self-same web within the sound of my voice. So, it's been a rough year. A lot of us have fallen along the wayside. So it's all the more important that we carry on in the best ways we know how to and hope for better tomorrows. We all suffer through trials and tribulations walk across the coals and emerge changed, stronger and wiser. That's what I call the wisdom of flame. We learn by what we suffer. Today I'm bringing you a sweetly soulful rite from a lady who surely knows that journey and its wisdom. I'm proud to bring you a selection from Diu's own From the Ash, and I hope you'll enjoy this piece as much as I did. I try to cross into hitherto unexplored waters with my spotlight segments. So this time I'm going to read for you a confessional style poem. So let's get down to it. I'll read her poem titled Fingers Laced with Fear and hopefully have an insight or two along the way that I can share with you. He once called me country and I had to giggle, knowing he had no idea what that really means. But I never bothered to explain. I come from small town, USA, where everyone knows everything and nothing. All up in each other's space, there are no secrets on the surface. Unless you can hold a straight face, and let's be honest, we all do it. So smiling and friendly, shaking hands with the neighbor, sitting beside us in the same old warm pew, but nobody's talking. Not in any kind of meaningful way never acknowledging their own truth. Closets full of bones, all crumbling, threatening to spill from their hidden tomb. But here we all sit, hymnals wide open, voices raised, trying to forget what's not being said, 
and the scent of casserole heating, teasing, haunting that stuffy chapel, while hungry children fidget, eager to descend, anxious for the potluck that awaits, and the sermon drones on and on, ladies fanning while the men yawn. As a toddler, these moments were my joy, sitting cross-legged on the floor at Grandma's feet, fabric book in my lap, sticking felt animal cutouts to the fuzzy page. There was a time it was a sheltering haven, before I learned what the devil really looks like, and the evil it can do, before blood red smeared across the pious room, tainting us all, stained with glass imagery repainting family and friends, turning them into strangers. My gods, the things that steeple covered, they still hunt me. Thunder in my heart and wobble in my knees. I still remember the words and the motions. Somehow horrifyingly appropriate. I wonder if any of them ever really knew. This is the church, and this is the steeple. Open the doors and see all the people. That shit still tortures me. If only they saw what I saw. Fingers curled into claws. The nightmares it caused and still does. But that's just me, I suppose, a country girl, with all that entails. Everything's fine, as long as you don't ask any questions, or speak of your demons. It's all part of my history, driving along back roads, kicking up gravel, just to arrive and be seen. And it still gets to me. But listen closely, it's the chords and the voices filling me. That old country gospel, it runs through my veins, home to this day, though I'll probably never return and never again cross the threshold of that country chapel. Wow, right? So let's jump in. I guess I'll start with my overall impression. It has that confessional kind of intimacy and directness that is so engaging. She talks about through the piece how everything on the surface is sweet and peaceful, but all the truths are unspoken beneath the surface, the darkness and demons. So immediately we know that we're being drawn into her private confidence, a side that she is unable to show in her local circles. And that is one of many things that the deep underground grants to us that is so vital, that safe space to express ourselves, where we can have a voice. I like where she opens the piece, kind of mid-thought, so we hit the ground running. She alludes to an unnamed he that called her country and launches into just what being country really is. Sitting in the same old worn pews, but no one saying anything meaningful. It's so relatable to me and probably many others who spent any amount of time in religious circles. Where she says closets full of bones, all crumbling, threatening to spill from their hidden tomb. These lines so admirably hold a palpable feeling of tension, the stressful cloister, and claustrophobia of an oppressive environment. A feeling that that house of cards could come tumbling down at any moment, and the rock beneath the floorboards be exposed. It doesn't happen, though. But here we all sit, hymnals wide open, voices raised, trying to forget what's not being said. So the title, Fingers Laced with Fear, I think comes into focus as we progress through this rite. Fingers in a tight grip over these unexpressed secrets. Afraid of the consequences of violating the hypocrisy 
that she is expected to take part in, where she says, the things that steeple covered, they still hunt me, I think is perhaps the most potent line of the right. It alludes to a lot, to past traumas, persistently casting their shadow over the present, to the fear that manifests in nightmares, in a quickened step, in frozen silence, listening to the darkness in the middle of the night, waiting for some demon to manifest. The details are important to give the rightful dimensions. How she describes the scent of the casserole, haunting the stuffy chapel, the children eager for the sermon to end so they can dig in, but it seems to drone on endlessly, sitting at her grandmother's feet with the fabric book in her lap. All the surface actions that set the milieu for the emotional and psychological underpinnings of the right, when taken as a whole, which lend it the power to captivate. She closes with this aching sense of time's passage, its bittersweet ironies. Tires kicking up gravel, you can almost see her wane smile as she resigns it all to the life of a country girl, with that gospel in her veins. Though she may never return in person to that chapel, it's always with her. This was a soulful rite, with a deep nuance of emotions beneath the surface, which I think perfectly personifies that small-town country life she's telling us about. I hope you'll be inspired to check out the writings of From the Ash for Yourself, and see what journey she'll take you on, riding shotgun. On behalf of the Polycast Project, thanks for listening. Deep Underground Poetry Dot com Noticed their claps, their fervor, the applause after, and then noted the time of each one's departure, wrist, watch, finger tap as each transit of their leaving struggled up the drive. What remains, remained after this fucked up speech, for whatever damn lord it could ever serve, that a lantern should flicker hell and its staircase into this ballroom, making sure that it was no coincidence of what remained in this overbearing room. Could anyone... Would one be enough to notice, or look away, at those who flicking ash of cigarette onto stone immolations would remark a statue sway in a lighter's light? Remained after, a posited, feathered breast of ida, patent leather, mirror, stilettoed marble floor marks, my own lock, Cuff-linked month of May portrait, a pseudonym, old trysts with the tailor, the trust in the tie knot, and Japanese scents guarding gardens, their lure of home, and gulls flocking my eyes as they blink, or the ever of letting go, its undercurrents turn the gaze, alert attentions, bore wild, of intentions that do not spark the fire in the fireplace of this room. A key for some other locked partition room, hidden and away in other fingers of a house. Its lock lays away 
from the main building. Corridor of corners, cornices candled, of the gable ends, leading through these thoroughbred oak wide doors, through wing to the room, and torn chintz and laced curtains begging to be swept open in the morning. Breakers possessed from the multitudes, from all the hysteria of all. How can I keep anything to myself? Keep any of these thoughts to myself? Make them go, like the sun, become burning, before they become revoked.